Happy Father's Day, West Bowles. How are you? Happy Father's Day to our Heavenly Father. Amen. It is uh, it's great to be back with you. Um, lots happened since I've been gone. Um, let's see. The, the Red Wings won Lord Stanley's Cup. Oh, well, okay. So, <laughs> you know, funny, true story. I, at the precise moment they won... I wasn't able to watch. I was walking across the Mount of Olives in Israel, literally, maybe you've heard of it. I was walking across the precise moment they won, a tomb opened and a dead man came out alive. I tell you. <laughs> Thanks so much to Paul and to George who stepped in while I was gone. I understand that Paul broke my all-time sermon length record. Is this true? Yeah, that's what I thought. 60 minutes. Is that right? Man, well, we'll just have to... More, someone said. We'll just have to see about that. Um, let's see, what do I have here this went on? I'm only kidding. Isn't Paul's story something else? I mean, the man looks like a choir boy. I can't even believe What a walking, living, breathing testimony of the power of transformation of God in someone's life. Amen? Oh, my goodness. As many of you knew, I was leading a trip in Israel. Forty-nine of us. There they are on the screen. Marched up and down the Holy Land for 12 days. There's a picture of our flock of sheep. What a fine flock, isn't it? We're there on the Mount of Olives. Jerusalem's in the background. You can see the Muslim Dome of the Rock. That's that gold dome behind us there. Standing right where God's temple once stood. God's temple about three, three and a half times higher than that, if you can believe it. And uh, this next picture just um, might make me cry, so I'll look down and just keep on talking. There's ten of the finest students any teacher ever had. Ah, oh, just look at them. You recognize Taylor Shrek? Taylor, are you here this morning? No, she didn't make it to big church this morning, but there's Tay. You know Tay. I've been their Bible teacher, these kids at Front Range Christian, off and on for about four years now for most of them, and every class I'd promise them I'd actually show them someday in Israel what we were talking about. And God finally blessed it, and we did Israel together. They're standing there in the Jordan River. Maybe you've heard of that, too. Two of them, two of them were just baptized, and the others who had already been baptized back home decided that day to rededicate themselves in the Jordan River, just like Jesus did, to live Shema, to love God with all their heart, soul, and might, and to love others as themselves. That was the highlight of the trip for me right there by far, and they tell you for them, too. People keep asking me, so let me say to all of you, to all y'all, as our friends in the South would say, if you are at all interested in a trip to Israel, we already have dates for next year's trip. It's about the same time, May 27 to June 10. It's never too early to sign up. And hey, what a great last-minute Father's Day gift. Yes, send Dad packing to Israel. Okay, there's a few yeses. Or maybe dads, you turn the tables and you use Father's Day to say, hey, you know what, uh, let's pray about it and see if we as a family can go next year. That'd be a great gift to give to your family and kids, Dad. You've got all year to save up for it. So see Susan Erstaller if you are interested, and she will hook you up. There is one trip memory this year in particular that I bring back with me from Israel for Father's Day this morning, and it has to do with the fact that, man, was it hot there this year. Scorching, especially in the desert. We hiked in 120 degrees one day. 
We almost ran out of water in a desert called Timnah. We will never forget that. The, the heat and, and the barrenness of the desert is indescribable. You have to experience it to believe it. And um, it made me think of something that day in Timna, especially when half our group ran out of water and then those high school kids who got through the, the, the wadi first, carried water, lugged it back up in there to bring uh, to the rest of the community. It was awesome. But it made me think of something I wanted to share on Father's Day with you. I, I find that many people don't realize just how much of Israel is desert or wilderness. A lot of it is, like half of it if it goes all the way down south. And you see there one picture of the Negev, that southern dry desert portion of Israel. Look at that. I mean, pretty looks like the pretty much looks like the moon or Mars or something, doesn't it? Yeah, there's another shot. Can you believe it? I mean, did you picture that as where the Israelites wandered for 40 years? And believe me, the Sinai Desert is even more severe and dry. Well, it didn't take long then for, for Bible writers to draw all the time on this powerful image so deeply embedded in the lives and culture and experience of the Israelites. Literally embedded in their soil, this image of, of desert and heat. The biblical writers, they use desert all the time to describe life. Life is like a desert, the Bible says. Life is hot. It's tedious. It can be hard and tiring. It can be very, very dangerous. And like a desert, life is beautiful too. It's this majestic beauty. Life is powerful. It's captivating. It's strong. It's exciting. Life is breathtaking. Indeed, it's a grand adventure. But always with that picture of desert, given the fallen world we live in, there is, there's nevertheless this almost stalking danger quality in life that, that's never too far away. Sickness and disease threaten life, both physically, emotionally, spiritually. Depression, to name one of many, is a uh, an example of, uh, of life as a desert. And relational pain, in particular, especially makes life a desert much of the time, doesn't it? And then, of course, there's, there's that relentless presence of death, right, that, that, that threatens life itself every day. Life is so often a desert. One particular relationship that went sour in the Bible is largely responsible for this biblical metaphor of life as desert. David, you remember King David? He's running for his life from Saul, his father-in-law. And while he's running for his life in the desert, he writes Psalm 42, where David says his soul is thirsty and panting for God. In Psalm 63, David tells God how both his body and soul long and thirst for God in a dry and weary land where there is no water. David describes life as a desert. And later the prophets picked up on David's metaphor and those prophets, boy, they just ran with it. In Isaiah, God is promising to restore Israel. And God says of Israel, they will neither hunger nor thirst, nor will the desert heat or sun beat upon them. That's God's picture for what it means to be restored in relationship to God. 
relief from life, which is that hot, dry desert. Now, the rest of this biblical picture, what rounds it out, is that if life is like a desert, then God is like water and shade in the desert. In the same Psalm 24 we just saw, David talks about thirsting for God like a deer pants for water. And so many Psalms describe God as the one who provides relief from the hot desert of life. God is water and shade in the desert of life. And this biblical metaphor of of life as desert and God as shade is at least partly responsible for yet another biblical picture. God is often described in the Bible as having wings. You ever notice that in your Bible reading? God has wings, the biblical writers say, that He spreads out over His people. A picture of God's protection and shade in His wings. A shade from the heat of life. In Psalm 17, David prays that God will hide him in the shadow of His wings. Psalms 36 and 57 both tell of finding refuge, a place of safety, where in the shadow of God's wings. And in Psalm 63 again, even in the midst of the desert of life, David says he's even able to sing when he's in the shadow of God's wings. It's such a cool and refreshing and and secure place that he can throw his head back and sing when he's under God's wings in God's shade. And I just love what the prophet Isaiah in particular does with this whole picture. When Messiah comes, Isaiah says, each man will be like a shelter from the wind and a refuge from the storm. Streams of living water will flow from him. Streams of living water in the desert. And he'll be a shadow. There'll be a shadow of a great rock in a thirsty land. And the psalmist says in Psalm 121 that the Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. And Isaiah again tells us that God spreads a canopy over us like the canopy of the clouds over Mount Sinai. And God's canopy, Isaiah says, will be a shelter and shade from the heat of the day. And the prophet Hoshea promises that when God's people return to Him, here's the picture of the restored relationship again. When God's people return to Him, they will dwell again in His shade. And this picture of God's wings providing shade is also rooted in many temple practices in ancient Israel, especially in the priestly blessings. Here's what would happen. The priest would take his talit say talit in English we would call this a prayer shawl and the priest would take the prayer shawl and many times a day every day during the worship service the priest would take the prayer shawl and at the right time in the worship service the priest would take his talit and he would take the corners and he would spread them out over the people when he would give the blessing now what does this look like Wings, doesn't it? I mean, that biblical picture of God's wings and resting in the shadow of God's wings is all over the text. When Messiah comes, here's a picture of wings in the New Testament even. 
when Messiah comes, the prophet said there would be healing in his wings. Hmm. How many of you are thinking maybe of a time when a bleeding woman fought through a crowd, got close enough to Jesus to grab hold of what? Your English Bible says she grabbed hold the corner of his robe, right? Interesting thing about the Hebrew word for corner. Kanaf. Say kanaf. Take a wild guess of what the Hebrew word is for wing. Kanaf. She grabbed, sure she grabbed the corner, but the word picture behind it is that bleeding woman went after what? his wing. Now, why would she go after the wing? Why not grab a fistful of knee or ankle or arm or why did she go for the corner of her of Jesus' robe, his wing? She believed the prophets, right? What did the prophets say? When Messiah comes, he'll have healing in his... So she grabbed for where she, she believed he was Messiah. She didn't believe he's Messiah. Why go for the... Prophets said the healing's in his wings. So that woman goes for where the healing was. She had faith that he was Messiah, believed the prophets. So Jesus turns to her and says, what? Your faith has healed you. Pretty cool. Now that story is a, another sermon altogether sometime. But I wanted to talk about the, the image of healing in God's wings. Very prominent in Israel well into the New Testament, this picture. All right, so you get the picture. Yes, all over the Bible, as we've gone through a lot of Scripture in a short time this morning. Believe me, there's so much more. But all over the Bible, life is a desert. And God is water and shade. And when the heat of life hits, we find refuge, safety, relief from the heat, blessings. All can be found in God's shadow and shade. Now, all of that to ask this of our fathers, especially here this Father's Day morning. Are you, men, fathers, are you God's shade in the lives of your family? As a leader in your household, in your family, are you someone, men, that your wife and your kids look to for shade in the deserts of their lives. One striking example of, of this kind of leadership comes from Abraham. In Genesis 21, we're reading along and we read that Abraham plants a tamarisk tree in Beersheba. It's so easy just to read right through that, but you see a tamarisk tree on the screen. Now, let's pause there a bit. A tamarisk tree is renowned and known for and synonymous in the desert Near Eastern culture for the shade that it provides in the desert. Because its roots go incredibly deep, hundreds of feet even, it's able to find water in the most barren of deserts. And even today, if you say tamarisk tree to a Bedouin or a, or a desert dweller in the east, the image connection they make immediately is, oh, you're talking about a place of refuge, a place of shade from the hot desert sun. Noga Heruveni, an expert on biblical plants, says this 
of the tamarisk tree. Anyone sitting in the morning shade of the tamarisk feels its pleasant coolness. If the sojourner raises his eyes to the tree's branches, he will be surprised to discover tiny droplets of water on the thin branchlets. These droplets evaporate towards noon. A lick of the tamarisk's branches reveals the tree's secret. Tiny salt crystals are exuded by the tree onto the leaves, and at night the moisture increases in the cooler air. The water vapor adheres to the salt particles and condenses into droplets. And with morning, the sun warms the air, the water evaporates, and so cools the tamarisk's branches. Harovani writes, It appears that the patriarch Abraham did not simply plant any tree upon arriving in Beersheba for a lengthy sojourn. He chose the tree whose shade is cooler than that of the other trees. Amen. Fathers, in particular, if, if someone would ask your wife and someone would ask your kids about you, dads, would they say that you have planted tamarisk trees in their lives? Would they say that, that your shade, dad, is cooler than any others in the hot desert of their lives? What would your wife and kids say of you? Do you give them shade? As a teacher and pastor too, I, I meet so many students who share stories where it seems evident that their parents are not a source of shade. In fact, to hear their stories, their parents often seem to be intent on adding to the heat of the desert in the lives of their kids. What stories would your son or daughter tell about you, dads? Do you add to their heat? Or do you take it away? Husbands, are you shade for your wife? Fathers, are you shade for your kids? Men, are, are we tamarisk trees? Years ago, there was a pretty famous movie called The Breakfast Club. The entire movie focuses on a group of troubled kids in detention in their school library over successive weekends. Now, let me say this about that. Before you run out and rent the movie, please know the language in the movie is extremely rough. I, am, uh, I always pray over and I'm always reluctant to show clips from R-rated or today even PG-13 rated movies. Um, on the rare occasions when I do, please know that I do not intend for anyone and everyone to go out and rent the entire movie and I'm not endorsing the whole thing or anything like that. I took a clip, a clean clip at least from The Breakfast Club and decided to show you it gives such a powerful window, I think, into the pain of many kids whose parents have not been about providing shade. As you watch, dads in particular, moms too, but especially this morning, dads, as you watch, ask yourself, what would your kids say of you if someone were to ask them what's wrong?
want to talk? No. Why not? Go away. Where do you want me to go? Go away. You have problems. Oh, I have problems. You do everything everybody ever tells you to do. That is a problem. Okay, fine. But I didn't dump my purse out on the couch and invite people into my problems. Did I? So what's wrong? What is it? It's bad. Real bad. Parents. they do to you? They ignore me. Yeah. Pressure to perform in athletics. You gotta win! Where's your intensity? You gotta win! I see that from parents and coaches all the time. Do you? Some of you who are in coaching, you need to step away from the team. You're not doing these kids a favor by putting pressure on them to perform and to win. Pressure to pull grades. Pressure to be perfect. And in some ways, much, much worse, kids being ignored by their parents. And before you too quickly say, well, that's not me. I don't ignore my kids. You want to do something sobering sometime? Keep track of in a week, make it this week, how much time, real time, you spend with your kids. You keep track. Seven days. Keep track of how much time you spend with your kids. I think you'll be stunned. Is it an hour? And it doesn't count if he was sitting next to you during Paul's sermon. Quality time. How much time? We're so busy. Are we ignoring our kids? It is so easy, even well intended, to add to the heat of the desert of life for our kids. Do you add to your heat, to their heat? Or do you help take it away? Fathers, are you shade for your wife and kids? Paul tells fathers, 
specifically and in particular. Do not exasperate your children. Paragidzo in Greek. Exasperate. Other translations that get at that word. Do not provoke your children to anger. Fascinating and telling, don't you think, that Paul gives this instruction specifically to fathers, not to mothers or even to parents. Fathers, Paul tells, do not exasperate your children. Maybe God through Paul knows that fathers especially need this reminder. Maybe it's because guys tend to be a little scarier to a child. I know I'm risking stereotypes here, but hear me out, please. Testosterone does make a difference after all. Men at least are often more aggressive, more physically imposing, a cultural image at least of power and strength and and perhaps God through Paul knows that, that things like that right up in the face of a child can cause fear. And I'm not talking about the godly kind of fear and awe and respect, but that real terrifying fear that in the tender hearts of children can so easily, so easily roll into anger and resentment and rebellion as sort of a protection against the terror. We need to be especially careful, men, to treat our wives and kids with gentleness and tenderness and kindness and compassion. It's not always our nature or certainly not our culture as men to do so. But we need to be especially careful, men, to avoid a critical condemning spirit with our families. And we need to be especially careful, men, to stay close to God who promises to give us these more comforting fruits of the Spirit. Did you catch it with the tamarisk tree? It's only shade in the desert because its roots are so deep, deep, deep down into living water. And so for us, men, we can only provide shade for our families when our roots as husbands and fathers are deeply rooted in living water Himself, our Heavenly Father. Amen? I so desperately want my children to say of me that I provide them shade in life and that I'm a safe place to run to for refuge from the heat of the desert. Do you? In the book of Acts, we've been studying, Acts 5 tells us that people would come and lay those who were sick right next to where Peter would be walking so that when Peter walked by, even Peter's shadow would fall on them and provide healing, shade if you will in their hot deserts of sickness and even demonic oppression. Dads, do our kids hope our shadow will fall over them because they expect and know when it does we're a place of shade and healing? Or do the sound of our footsteps, does our shadow coming down the hall evoke something different in our children? And our wives, men, I don't know about you, but I want my wife to say of me what Solomon's wife said of him. Like an apple tree among the trees of the forest is my lover among the young men. I delight to sit in his shade. And his fruit is sweet to my taste. He has taken me to the banquet hall. And his banner over me is love. Would she say that of you? I was in mid-sermon prep and Jill happened to call me. So I tried this out on Jill this week. Okay? She called and said, how was going? I said, great. I think, I don't know, it's still too long. So I always say. 
And so then I, I said, hey, hon, let me try something. I, I, I want to I know something, sweetie. I, I want to ask you something. She said, okay. You know, she's in like Walmart. I could, doot, I can hear her checking out. I said, hey, honey, am I like an apple tree among the lovers of young men? <laughs> there was this pause. And she said, yeah, right. And I went, <laughs> Husbands, would your wife say she delights to sit in your shade, at least in her own words? I'm going to call you an apple tree. or But in her own words, in her own way, would your wife, when she talks to her friends at Bible study or throughout the day, when she talks of you, does her face light up with her friends as she talks about how you help her in the heat of her life? Is that what she would say of you men? Would she? Would she say that, that your love is the banner over her? What does that mean? Your love is, is what she keeps her eyes on, even if she's sinking up to her neck in quicksand, even if the devil chaotic is all around her, your banner, the banner she keeps her eyes on to keep hope, to keep fighting, to keep standing, that banner is your love. Would she say that of you and your love? I so much want to be the banner of love for my family and shade for my family. Do you? One great way, dads, that we could be shade for our children especially is to spend time praying with them. I used to do that with my kids when they were younger, but I've gotten away from it for some reason. Too busy. So Jill does it all the time. and It's not right. So I tell you, before... My kids, and before all of you, and before God, I'm committing this Father's Day to start praying with my kids again. <laughs> Amen. Now, maybe you'd like to do that, too. And I'll tell you, one powerful method of prayer, dads, to use with your kids. Someone shared this with me, and I've done it years ago. And I want to do it again is with your kids right there next to you. Go ahead and begin your prayer out loud so they can hear it. <laughs> begin at something like this. Dear God, I'd like to talk to you about Ben. Using your kid's name, of course. Ben, you're going to get a whole lot of people praying for you. And from there, tell God in his or her hearing about him or her. How amazing He is. Tell God how much you love her. How proud you are. How glad you are to be your dad. And then tell God right there in front of them. It's on your heart in terms of a struggle that He might be having. With school or with friends or, or maybe even some junk between the two of you. That's a powerful method of prayer, guys. And you'll be surprised at what something even that simple opens up in your relationship with your kids and in your relationship with God. Try it. You might like it. I bet you will. Dads, maybe today is the day you tell your wife and kids you love them. Try it. I love you. If your relationship is strained or even worse with your kids, even if they're grown and gone, 
Maybe today's the day you call them. Use Father's Day as an excuse, not to make them feel guilty they haven't called you. But all you say is when they pick up the phone, all you say is, Hi, Beth. It's Dad. It's Father's Day, and I so I was thinking about today how much I love you. And so I just wanted to call and tell you I love you. And that's it. Don't say another word. Imagine what God can do with that. And you say, use the great Dutch expression, yeah, but. You say, yeah, but, Todd. You've no idea the junk between us. You've no idea how many years it's been. You've no idea the hard words that were spoken between us the last time we talked. And you know what? doesn't matter. And while I'll try to empathize with you, really, I don't really care. In this way, at least. Can you put it aside for one phone call just to say you love them and leave it at that? Why not? Why not? And maybe if it feels right, where are you, you can add you're proud of them. Maybe. If not, don't. Maybe you can add you're proud to be their dad. Maybe it will feel right to ask them something like, and Beth, you know, I was wondering and hoping, is there any chance at all we can start again? Any chance at all? I would love that. Tell me, Beth, please, what would need to happen for us to try again? And for you dads out there who have a wonderful relationship with your kids already, bless God, amen? But maybe you use today to take it to an even higher level. Maybe you call and tell them you love them like you have umpteen times. But maybe this time you also suggest something like a weekly phone call to just talk if they'd like. Go ahead and call collect. <laughs> or weekly or every other week if they live close enough, early morning Starbucks, every other Tuesday or something, just to talk. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter how young or old your kids are, you know. You're still their father. And they still need shade in many ways more as we get older. How about doing something like that today, dads? However you decide to do it, I invite you, dads, to implore you to commit, if you haven't before, or recommit, if you have already, to be shade for your wives and children. Do it today. Make some changes if, like me, you need to make some changes so that your shadow becomes a place of refuge from the heat in their lives. Commit to being a tamarisk tree, to provide cool shade in a hot desert. Commit to being God's wings, a place of safety, a place where your family feels so secure they can even sing in their deserts, a place like the Talit, the prayer shawl under which they receive God's blessing through you. Will you make that commitment today? So help you, God. There's one last video I'd like to share with you, and then we'll close. I've had it for some time. I've even had it in the sermon five or six times, but it just hasn't felt right yet until today. It's in my personal top five of, of any I've ever seen on any topic. Really, the entire gospel set to dance and, and music. But it's also a picture 
of what it means, dads, to be a father. What it means to give life to children, to to bring them up. And then as they get older, especially watch them struggle with their choices and all the temptations in the desert of life that comes after them. And then what it means, Dad, to do something about it. As you watch fathers especially today, ask yourself, what lengths would you go to protect and to shade your kids? How badly do you dads want to be just like Jesus? Let's watch.
Life's a desert. Especially for our kids, dads. And they're dying in it. Left and right. Would you step in the gap and be his protecting shade in the lives of your family? Fight for your kids. Put yourself in the heat of their battles in life, even if it costs you everything. Will you humble yourselves to be shade for your family? Will you please? Would you please stand, if you're able, and receive God's blessing in closing today? This blessing is one of the priestly blessings from the Hebrew Bible, what we call the Old Testament. Portions of it, at least, will sound very, very familiar to you. God's wings, yes? May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord turn His face toward you and give you His peace, His shalom. And fathers, especially today, May God grant you His shade, that you in turn might be shade to your wives and your children. And it's in Jesus' name that we claim these blessings of our God and all God's people said, Amen. Happy Father's Day. West Bulls, have a great week. Come on up if you'd like someone to pray with you or for you. And we'll see you next week. Rumor is the Apostle Paul is heading into Jerusalem. Don't miss it. I love you guys. God bless you. Amen.